0: This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 705 with Mia Hemstad. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 705. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms Mia Hemstad is a mom, speaker, self-care coach, and the founder of No Longer Last, which is a movement that helps women prioritize their health, happiness, and well-being. Mia is an abuse survivor, and she lives with diagnosed PTSD and depression. She shares her healing journey online to fight mental health stigma and to help other people heal too. Mia's work has been featured in major media outlets such as Parents.com and Romper. Mia continues to write and teach from Portugal, where she recently moved with her husband and two kids. Mia is a past guest of the SMA as well as a past Shameless MomCon speaker. She's well known and well loved in this community. I've been watching her as she ventured across the globe to move her family to a safer country. And I've been in awe of her entire experience and just found so much joy in seeing what her journey has been like and the lessons that she's learned and how she's made it manageable if a move across the globe with two small children can be manageable. So I asked her if she'd be open to coming back on the show to talk to us about what motivated their family's move and what it's been like as they've gotten settled in a new country. And I'm so, so grateful that she said yes. Listen in to hear Mia share what inspired her family's move to Portugal, specifically around gun violence and lethal racism in her community in California as well as across the US, the role of her mental health on her decision to move, How living in a safer place has changed her life. Her shift from being a self-sacrificial mom to giving herself permission to make such a different and bold move, even though it wasn't really generally understood or even maybe fully accepted in the people closest to her. And this happens when we make big, bold moves, right? Like Sometimes the people close to us are like, I don't get it, why are you doing that? But Mia did it anyway. And lastly, she shares how to discern resentment versus taking responsibility of your life in hard times. As always, this conversation with Mia is so interesting and introspective. Mia has such high self-awareness and high emotional intelligence, which I just love because I always see parts of my own life in her. And I feel like I always learn about myself when I hear her speak. So It's always a gift to have Mia here on the show. Also, she has a free gift for all of you. So she has a free Portugal visa guide if you are interested or curious about moving to Portugal. So if you go to her website, miahemstad.com slash D as in dog seven, the number seven, visa, V-I-S-A, you can download Mia's free Portugal visa guide. I'll link it up in the show notes too. And we'll mention it as we get toward the end of the show. But I wanted to throw that out there. If any of you are like, wait, I want to move to Portugal don't let me stop you. This is your invitation from Mia and from me. So with all that said, please join me in welcoming you back to the Shameless Mom Academy, Mia Hempstead. Mia, oh my gosh, welcome back to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you here.
1: Hey, Sarah. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me back.
0: We were laughing before we started to record that I'm having all sorts of like weird zoom issues. And I finally said, it's because zoom is having to work extra hard to bring you all the way from Portugal to Seattle. Usually I'm not bringing you that far.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Usually we're in the the same time zone and I'm not like, yeah. So hopefully my words will come out. Clearly it's after nine o'clock, which in mom hours is basically 2 AM. Yes. Yes. I'm We're working I'm... down the bar right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So apologies in advance, but hopefully everyone will be able to understand me.
0: <laughs> I know you well enough to know that this will be fantastic. Even if yeah, you're tired.
1: It's going <laughs> to be fun. I was so excited. I was so looking forward to talking with you. It's
0: funny. So this conversation came about as many of my conversations do via Instagram DM, where I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, can we talk about that on the podcast? And so you moved since you were last on the show, you moved um, from the West Coast to Portugal with Mm -hmm. your family Mm -hmm. and huge move. And we're going to dig into the why and the how and how it's Mm -hmm. all going in just a minute. But can you talk a little bit about the dynamics of your personal and professional life since you were last here? And then also what you're most excited about right now.
1: Yeah. So right now, the dynamics of my personal and professional life have changed so much since we last talked. I'm a completely different person now. <laughs> um, I can't wait to hear,
0: hear like meet the new Mia.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the new Mia. Well, her kids are in school for the very first time. So both my kids, are both of them, both of them. So oh, wow. my kids were basically childcare age. Like for me, like when I was ready to put them in right when the pandemic happened. So my husband also lost his job at that time. So then basically we were like, you know what, let's not do child care. Let's have you stay home with the kids. You know, I ended up going back to work. So my kids have both just been home with me my entire career thus far up until now really like this whole, the, when I was hearing moms be like, oh my gosh, how on earth do we work from home with kids? I was like, I've got you with the tips. Cause I've been doing this since before the pandemic. Right. Um, yes. Yeah. So now my life is just so much different because my kids are finally in school. They're both in school and that's been amazing. And Portugal has, is one of the reasons why, like, cause the schooling here is just very affordable, but also my husband, now that he's not, you know, full-time stay-at-home dad, he's able to help me in my business. You know, he does video editing and stuff. So I just feel more at ease because now I'm handing off stuff that I would spend all day doing to someone who's way better at it than me. So I just love think it. That Yeah. The dynamics have just been, I would say more spacious and more just better overall. Oh, and what am I most excited about? Yeah. Uh, I'm just more excited about continuing to get in a groove. I've been in Portugal for seven months now, and I feel like I'm only just now getting into a groove. My kids just started school last month and I'm just excited about planning our next travel. Like, you know, we've been settling here, but we really want to go to Iceland and we really want to go to England So just yeah, excited about that.
0: So fun. Um, it's interesting. I have a friend who moved to Hawaii six months ago and she doesn't have kids, not married doesn't have kids, but she said it's like six months in and she's like, it's just starting to like feel like it's not vacation or like this is where I live. And like it's just said it took a long time for it to just really sink in Mm -hmm. because big, huge life moves.
1: It is. It's a huge move. And, you know, there's cultural differences. There's, it's a huge adjustment, everything. I mean, things are in kilometers and liters. Like you got to like, <laughs> double, you know, when you're ordering groceries online and you read grams, you want to make sure you get a whole loaf of bread and not a tiny little piece. Right, how I right. know. But yeah, <laughs> so it's been a learning curve.
0: I love it. I have a uh, my online business manager is from the U.S. but lives in Germany, and she recently oh, wow. I was at, we were talking about temperature, and she gave I was like, well, how what's the temperature over there? But I was like, but in Fahrenheit, and she's like, oh, hold on, she's like, I've been really working on my Celsius, so I have everything mm-hmm. in Celsius.
1: So Yeah, I that was a are, big like... one. That was a huge one. I oh. remember feeling for some reason that was the one that threw me the temperature, like it being in Celsius. So... And now I have a hack so that I know how to figure it out. So oh. it's gotten better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What
0: can, is it? A quick hack you can tell? It's a
1: quick hack. So, okay, what's six to Celsius. 16, yeah, 16 degrees Celsius is 60 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. So, 16 is 60, and then like 20 or 21 is like near 72 degrees. Okay. And that's typically the range that you're in. Yes. So it makes it really, really simple. Yeah. Okay. I like
0: it. I like it. Yeah. Okay. I want to know what inspired the move. I know that this is like not something, I don't think anyone, if it was just a single person doing it would take this lightly. But when you're talking Mm -hmm. about like changing, you're talking about uprooting jobs and parents and kids and households and
1: school, like it's
0: all mm-hmm, the things.
1: Mm-hmm, so can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, I mean, the, there are so many driving factors for the move, but I would say the biggest ones were safety gun violence and lethal racism were at the top and of concerns. And it's like, I know we all, I mean, I feel like the gun violence problem in the U S is already horrendous enough, but there was a five-year-old who was killed 10 minutes down the street from where I lived. And I lived in a very affluent neighborhood, right? You know, all the things that people say, well, if you live in the right parts, you won't have these problems. And this child was killed. And they were actually, the whole town, the whole city I lived in was looking for the people who killed him. And there were uh, banners everywhere. There were banners everywhere of this child's face at like restaurants and storefronts saying, do you know who killed, you know, this child? I think that was the tipping point for me. I think I was done. My son had just turned five and the, the child who died was five. Mm. So yeah. I just felt like I couldn't stay anymore, even if you paid me to stay. And, you know, I know that sounds like a very privileged thing to say. I have thought in some comments like that. But the thing is that I heard about the, the visa I am on is for people who make income remotely. And I just thought to myself, here I am working from home, making income remotely why would I stay if I have this really easy pathway? You know, as an American visa holder, we have, or a passport holder, we have a huge amount of privilege that I think a lot of us don't realize, especially if you've been born and raised in the U S like I wasn't raised in the United States, even though I am an American. So I think sometimes when you grow up in the U S you don't realize like how much power you have in the globally and like there are whole governments that will just let you go to their country as long as you spend your money there. So the visa I was able to obtain was very simple. And I also, like I said, my husband didn't have a career. He was let go of his job. So he, his career was on hold and my kids hadn't started going to any school yet because we decided to hold them back. So it was almost like the perfect combination of things that made me feel like the universe was saying, here's your way to go take a break from the U S give your nervous system a break from all of this fear that you live with, uh-huh. you know, and I'm a black woman. And I also, you know, I have that constant fear being in the U S of how I'm going to be treated. And I experienced a lot of hostility during the pandemic, during all the racial tension that happened during that time because of George Floyd. And I even shared that three weeks before I got on a plane to Portugal, I was at a playground up near Yosemite. I was visiting Yosemite before we left. And a seven-year-old called me the (gasps) N-word at the playground. And she called me the N-word. She wasn't even saying it in a hostile voice. She was saying it as if it was my first name. Oh, just like casual conversation. Yeah. She was like, Hey, N-word is worse.
0: Yeah. I mean, from my like white lady perspective, but I mean that it could be that casual. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So the reason why I kind of go here so quickly, I know some people might For me, this is my truth. It was just like, wow, I can't handle this lack of safety. I can't handle this gun violence. I can't handle this lethal racism. And then all of a sudden, this path opened up. And I very much believe in divine timing. And then on top of that, I've had a dream to travel around Europe since I was studying art history in middle school. Like I was just in love with Europe. And all of that got put on hold for so many reasons. And I feel like it was also a part of me reclaiming that dream that was put on hold for a long time.
0: swear it's like, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S. AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. I have so much respect for all of those pieces and I can see the, I very much, see and hear the piece around the gun violence and lethal racism. And that makes so much sense. And also this, I think it's so inspiring and aspirational that you you're like, I've wanted to travel and I've wanted to improve and enhance my life in this different ways. Um, And Mm -hmm. then you went and did it. I also want to touch on when you started to preface the early phase of the move and that it was specifically giving heavy consideration to gun violence and lethal Mm -hmm. racism around Mm -hmm. you, that that Mm -hmm. was a big consideration that you were making when you said, I'm just going to dig in. I actually had like made a note in my notes. Like I want to go back and talk about lethal racism. Like that's, Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that that we do dig into that piece because I think that that piece is really significant. So I appreciate that you went there quickly Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. because I think that piece is so important. And I, you're not the only person I know who is either made this move or is considering a move like this for those exact same reasons and lethal racism being one of them.
1: Yeah. Can
0: you, I think that when we talk about, um, race in the U S we don't talk about lethal racism. We don't. Um, Wow. Well, we talk about racism. I don't hear a lot of people talk about lethal racism, like that phrase that two words together. And I think that that is a significant piece of this. What does that mean to you? And why is that piece so important? Because it's not like there's significance around racism, but you, I think there's an added weight to it when you say lethal racism. And I think that's an, a necessary mm-hmm. weight to put on it.
1: Yeah, so that's so interesting to me. And I think it's just the difference between like the burden that I have to carry as a black woman, that to yes. me, race, all racism is lethal racism. Yes. So, you know, the fact that there's even differentiating there, it just means we have so much further to go that mm-hmm. it's not just right. the way we talk about it. Cause like all the black people I talk to, that's how we talk about racism. We talk about it as if it's going to, and it might end our lives.
0: It's a differentiator to have it mm-hmm. to call out racism in that way and yeah, label yeah. it for what it is. Yeah. And I think that it carries a different gravity that mm-hmm. I think is important. Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting that you're like, That's surprising that I would be like, yeah, we call it racism. And you're like, no, (laughs) no.
1: Yeah. 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 So obviously this was huge for me because, you know, I don't want to have to fear for my life when I go to the grocery store, you know, I'm here in Portugal, reading about Buffalo, New York, hearing about these types of attacks and, you know, we're going to talk about mental health later and how this move has affected me in that way. But like, for sure, you can't walk around and worry about everyday activities, making you a place to be targeted. And, you know, I just, that's a really heavy burden for anyone to carry. And, you know, yeah, even like racism, like that seven-year-old girl, like, did she have a gun on her? No, but do her parents, you know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't feel safe in a country where anyone can get a gun and there's very little background checks and it's just kind of a free for all when it comes to that. So yeah, it really was something that I had to kind of recognize. This is the U S has a, I call it a very unique brand of racism that I've experienced Mm -hmm. as somebody, as a black person who has lived most of my life, not in the continental United States, which is what people from Guam and other uh, outlying islands and territories call the United States. There is something there, but it's so interesting because I remember talking to a white friend and she even had a differentiator for racism that was like, uh, you know, making assumptions about me as a black woman. Like if people think I'm aggressive. So she was like, oh, that's not racism. That's just bias. So it's just, it's just bias because the word racism was just so horrific to her. She just couldn't even use it in her vocabulary. So she wanted to call it bias as if that somehow made it better. But it's like, that is the problem. We can't keep Mm -hmm. using reductionist language around these really harmful, disgusting things that lead to the end of people's lives. I don't think that the person who went into that grocery store in Buffalo or people who do these types of racially motivated hate crimes start out at level 100 lethal racism. But I Mm -hmm. do think that labeling someone aggressive and viewing someone as less than human. Some people want to call it just racism. Some people want to call it bias, but I think it's all lethal because it all has this end result of dehumanization and all of that feeds into the collective culture, right? Mm -hmm. We're all consuming media and what, whoever ends up radicalizing that language is still going to come around and harm somebody somewhere. So,
0: right. Thank you so much for processing all that. It's a lot, it's a lot to process. And I'm sure it's something that you have to talk, or I know that I know I've heard you talk about it before. I know it's something you talk about a lot. And also that doesn't make it like not hard to talk
1: about. (laughs) So thank you for that. It's okay. I'm grateful for the safe space to do so. Can you talk about your (laughs) moving from
0: one really light topic to another? (laughs) Right,
1: (laughs) You know, me, I love diving. Let's dive deep. Let's not waste time. You know me, I don't even like small talk. I'm all about it. I'm like, and number two, mental health. So can, you,
0: <laughs> can you, I've been really looking forward to talking about this piece with you, because I know when you've been on the show before, we've talked about mental health and we've talked about your diagnoses around PTSD and anxiety mm-hmm. and postpartum remind me postpartum anxiety or postpartum depression or both.
1: So that was back when I, my kids were little, but my right. current diagnoses are PTSD and a major depressive disorder.
0: Okay. Thank you for mm-hmm. um, clarifying that. So when you were back on the show you talked about coping mechanisms, you talked about mm-hmm. kind of what you, how you're managing your mental health at that time, it sounds like the move has had a positive impact on mental health. And I'm curious to hear about that. Can you talk about how your mental health impacted your decision to move? Like that was, I know a piece of the decision and then what has been the outcome of the move in that area?
1: Yes. I am happy to talk about that because it was a big factor. I mean, like I said, when you're worried every single day about your safety, when you go anywhere, it affects your mental health. Like you're, I'm just, no matter how much you try to act, you can't yoga away fear of your life. <laughs> yeah. You cannot eat healthy kale away from that kind of trauma. So Definitely. It played a huge part into that. And I was, you know, watching a lot of YouTube videos about other black people who had made this move for similar reasons and how they have felt safer in Portugal. So I was like, okay, you know, maybe there's something to this. So that was definitely part of it. But another really big piece is the fact that taking care of ongoing mental health challenges and other chronic health challenges that I have is very expensive in the United States. I've never had great health care. I've worked a lot of different jobs and none of them have had great coverage. And I know that Portugal has very affordable health care and then they also have universal health care. So whether you're on private health insurance or public, it costs a lot less. So those were a few pieces that played into the mental health piece. And since being here, my health care plan is like, I don't even know. It's like 150 a month for a family of four, which is like insane. Yeah. 150 a month. (laughs) it's 150 a month. It's crazy. I mean, even when my husband was working a great job with a great title, like it was still like a third of our paycheck went to healthcare. So, it's just mm-hmm. when you are experiencing a health challenge where you're constantly going to the doctor. And when I had chatted with you last I had just started a new medication and it didn't work. And I was on that medication, trying hamster wheel, but mm, you're like, yeah. you're on something for six weeks and then you're off, you're tapering off and then you're trying a new thing and you're tapering off oh, it's just um, so much. So hard. it's expensive
0: too. It's, it's hard expensive on your body and it's so physically. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it's hard on your body. It's hard on your brain. And it's very expensive Mm -hmm. to constantly have to buy pills and quarter doses and half doses. And so it's like, you're doing all this to help your mental health, but then you're just increasing your anxiety because you're having to pay all of this money for follow-ups and visits and all this stuff. So that was really, really hard, but yeah, no, since coming here, one thing I forgot to mention is that Portugal actually ranks fourth safest country in the world, according to the global peace index. So you know when I say that Portugal is safer and like, I moved here for the safety, it wasn't like a whim. It was like, I had done my research and like, you know, ahead of Portugal's like Iceland, New Zealand, Denmark, or something like that. So I was like, okay, this is like a really good deal. You know, Portugal has fantastic weather. I'm not going to have to freeze in Iceland to not have to deal with (laughs) lethal racism. So I'm like, Hey, You know, I appreciate that levity. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, I was like, so I'm going to get beaches and nobody like wanting to kill me. This is fantastic. So, yeah, to, to, you know, in short, yes, it's been fantastic for my mental health in a lot of ways. I'm so glad that it's been
0: so fantastic. And that's so interesting. I'm curious, I'm trying to like formulate the right question. Were you able to like just arrive and be feel like now I'm safe because I'm categorically in this like fourth safest country in the world? Was it this immediate thing or was it like, has it been this like slow release or slow like shift into less vigilance or less, Mm -hmm. I don't know, like habits around either checking or maybe mind looping on certain things. Like what is, was it a quick transition or were you
1: able to just be like, I'm safe? Definitely slow for so many different reasons, but the way you put it was really, really great. Like the vigilance thing, the hypervigilance that also is like built into me having PTSD. I mean, you Mm -hmm. could ask my husband, like he literally just walks into a room and I scream as if someone's accosting me. (laughs) Like it's been, I don't do that anymore. I'm actually, my hypervigilance has really gone down and that's how, you know, my PTSD has gotten a lot better, but yeah, no, it was very slow. It was slow. I can
0: relate to that in the sense I also was diagnosed with PTSD. You and I have talked about this a little bit, Mm -hmm. but I was diagnosed with PTSD at the beginning of 2021, and I have (laughs) vigilance around our house getting broken into and around Mm -hmm. getting like abducted and murdered, which is Mm -hmm. like I joke about it all the time because it sounds so weird, but it's not a uh, joke. Kind of ridiculous for women. But I like think about it. In fact, my husband recently was saying, "Oh, I'm I'm going to be traveling." soon. And I'm going to London. And he was like, oh, you should stay an extra few days and like wander around. And I was like, I don't want to wander around London by myself. And he's like, what? I was like, you know, I'm like worried I'll get abducted and murdered. And he was like, what are you talking like? What? I'm like, Yeah. yeah, well, first of all, I'm a woman. And second Mm -hmm. of all, like this, I always think about this. And so Mm -hmm. I can't imagine if someone were to tell me like, you're going to go to a country where there's been, never been any abductions and murders and never been a burglar. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't believe it. Like I would Mm -hmm. still be like, no, 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 we have to lock our doors. and like, I don't want to walk around alone. (laughs) Oh yeah. So I'm just, I'm imagining, I want to honor that you experiencing lethal racism your whole life is very different than me being afraid of burglars, (laughs) but, but also I can relate in that way Mm -hmm. that like. Just this presence of like, I got to check and make sure the door's locked or like, I hope I don't die tonight, <laughs> you know, I yeah, yeah. uh, hope nothing happens. Like it's, oh, yeah. it's, that loop is always there. I'm so glad that that has gotten better for you because you. I know, or I'm imagining there's just relief in that. And there's a even- huge
1: amount of relief. I think we do not understand. And how could you, if you live in the United States, you're going through that every day. You can't comprehend what it's like to live without that. That's what you I was don't going to say you can't, like you, can't, you can't. You also cannot comprehend the cost and the toll that it has on you because it's your normal. So right. that's the thing. It's just like you know that this is taking a toll, but you don't know how much because what's the point of even dwelling on that because it's not your reality. But when you get to finally experience what it's like to not deal with that, the toll it starts to become a lot clearer because all of a sudden you live with a lot less weight on you. Can you
0: talk about what that feels like to you? Like, I don't know if you can put that into words or not. Yeah. Does it feel a certain way as you're like walking around or as like thoughts that you have now that maybe you wouldn't have had before? Or like, what does that actually feel like on a daily or maybe even like minute to minute basis?
1: It feels like freedom. It feels, yeah, it really, it feels like freedom because I wouldn't even leave my house at night in California. And what a, that That seems a little wild to me that we live in like such an industrialized and wealthy and like so-called developed nation. And like Mm -hmm. when the sun goes down, women don't want to leave their homes. Isn't that wild? So Yeah. um, yeah, in Portugal, I regularly walked home with my family way well after dark. And I never felt unsafe doing that. Never once. So yeah, no, it feels like freedom. It feels really great. It feels like I'm living... It feels healing.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm so, so happy for you. Thank you. Can you talk about how your move related to permission? I know especially when we're raising little, little ones, little, littles, mm-hmm. we are so in the habit of not giving ourselves permission because we just have to be so self-sacrificial to keep yes. little babies alive. Mm-hmm. And then at a certain point, there either has to be a level of like giving ourselves permission for certain things to do things imperfectly, to do anything for ourselves, to find ourselves again, whatever the thing might be, or we don't do that. And then there's really high cost to that in the long run. Um. Can you talk about this how the move was related to permission and how did it feel to grant yourself permission on such a large scale?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So I think inherent in motherhood, especially in the beginning, is sacrifice. I mean, like we all become mothers in different ways. I can just speak to my experience. I birthed my children, you know, vaginally and, you know, immediate. Feeling of sacrifice, right there. I fed them with (laughs) my breasts. I fed them with my boobs. Immediate Mm -hmm. feeling of sacrifice, right? You know, my body is dedicated to them. So I think that you can't get out of that. You know, I, I that whole period of time where you're showering once a week because you just can't know. You don't know what's up or down. That's normal. But what scares me is how much like we continue like the self sacrifice to a degree that I think unnecessary when our kids are getting older and older. And so I think it's so important to take a step back and really think about where you fit into your life because motherhood may be a huge part of your life, but it is not your whole life, or at least I think it shouldn't be. And Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, I am a mother, but I am Mia first and Mia first before Mia before children is still here. And she really wants to travel and, So it was a huge piece, giving myself permission, you know, giving myself permission to do something that I don't see a lot of mothers around, actually the mothers around me, none of them were doing this, you know, if anything, I just stopped talking about my plans because of the weird looks and comments that I would get. And, you know, when I told people that I was planning on going to Europe and they were like, oh, like, you mean like after your kids go to college, right? And I'd be like, no, like next year. And they'd be like, what? like as if I was irresponsible. Right. And then all of a mm-hmm. sudden you get into this pattern of explaining your desires to people and it's just a waste. Don't do that. So I just started <laughs> it's a complete waste of time.
0: I totally like our dreams are precious and not everyone has yes. a right to know them.
1: No. <laughs> totally and, agree. and you know what, they're not buying my plane ticket, so they don't need to know. Mm-hmm. So I really just started to just keep my head down. And I really just didn't tell barely anyone that I was moving. I just really didn't want anybody's input, you know, for once in my life, you know, I'm a recovering people pleaser for once in my life. I just wanted to like, please myself. And Mm -hmm. I already started to feel, you know, you talked about the costs in the long run. i already started to feel the costs Of putting my dreams on the shelf. You know, I got married young. I had kids young. My husband and I both felt some pressure to do that. You know, we didn't really want to get married young and have kids young, but you know, we felt like to make certain people happy. We did that. And then we were like, you know what, this isn't making us happy. And if anything, I was feeling resentment. If I was being honest with myself, like I started to like, just be really low energy I wasn't finding fulfillment in the day-to-day. I wasn't really, I was just checking out. And I know I struggle with depression, but this felt like another level. Mm -hmm. And then I started to like, feel like bitterness in my marriage, even though I love my husband. And I'm like, I know what this is. This is resentment. And so Mm -hmm. when I was in therapy during the pandemic, I literally spent that whole year with my therapist, uncovering the fact that I had put so many things that were important to me on hold. And we basically spent that whole year realizing that moving was going to be an act of it was self-actualization, she called it. Mm-hmm. It's taking that part of you that is in your imagination and making it real and how that is essential mm-hmm. to our mental well-being. And, you know, I really want to highlight this because I think a lot of people, you know, we all know that exercise and eating healthy and therapy are good for our mental health, but so is fulfilling your dreams. So is tending to your desires. So is giving yourself permission to have what you want. That's actually just as good for your mental health as exercising and eating kale. Like seriously, that has been so good for me and I just can't tell you the amount of healing that has happened and how I've detangled the fact that my lack of fulfillment is not like my husband or my kid's fault. Right. But they're a part of the responsibility that has made it hard to do that. Mm-hmm. So I can acknowledge that I can acknowledge that challenge, but not blame them for it. And that has helped me to now. I feel like I finally embody motherhood in a way that I want. I feel like I like being a mother now, <laughs> I feel like like my marriage is finally like thriving again. Like I just feel, because I'm not projecting resentment onto my loved ones. And then I'm not feeling guilty and ashamed yeah. because you know that guilt. I mean, I don't say, so you know, but whoever's listening to this, we all know how terrible it feels when we take our anger out on our loved ones when it has nothing to do with them. Right. So yeah, so that was giving myself permission to do this was about so much more than I wanna live abroad. It's so much deeper than that. I needed to give myself permission to fulfill dreams and desires that nine-year-old Mia had and releasing myself from that feeling of loss and resentment has also released my family and the energy in my home is just so much better.
0: Right. This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in
2: and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on struggle care where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.
0: I think that some of the distinguishing that you did in there was really profound and this distinction between recognizing bitterness Resentment, recognizing like where it stems from versus like who's ultimately responsible for it. Oh my gosh. When we are in that place of feeling bitterness and resentment, we want to just be like, it's their fault. Yep. <laughs> and, oh, and so yeah. to be able to discern it might be because of some of the dynamics at play with them and them being a partner or children or whatever yeah. and also here's like where i have responsibility to either speak up for myself self advocate take time away like all the things and hold space for all of that like that's mm. it's so much and i think that you it's just It's been years.
2: In a way.
1: <laughs> it's been years in the making so i just want anyone to listening there's no fast track to getting out of resentment if you're feeling resentment <laughs> if you've Put your dreams on that shelf, and you in you're disappointed in yourself for letting those things go, like you there's so much self-forgiveness that has to happen, mm. you know, because we're always just doing what we can with the knowledge that we had. And, you know, I chose yeah. to get married young and have kids young because mm. I truly believed at that time that that was the most important thing that I was supposed to do. I came from a very religious background. I'm no longer a part of that religion, but, at that time, it felt like it was my calling. Like that's what I was told and taught. So I know that past me, was just doing what she can. And it's been a long journey of slowly granting myself permission in small ways from literally allowing myself to have uh, a cappuccino at a coffee shop and reading alone without my kids. Like that was a huge step for me in the beginning of motherhood to give myself that time to now allowing myself to move Across the world, you know, so it it starts really small with the permission steps.
0: I appreciate that the nod to the small things. I think that's really significant. I did an interview earlier. Do you know Monica? You know Monica Packer? Yes. Yeah. This is like I woke up today so excited because I was interviewing you and Monica, and then someone who I had not met previously, but I knew all three of my interviews today were going to just be incredible. And one of the things Monica and I were talking about, Monica was talking about how growth is slow and it has to be mm-hmm. slow. Yeah. And when she said it, I like gasped because I mm-hmm. was like, oh my gosh, that's what makes me so angry. Like that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> like I hadn't been able to pinpoint it before. And when you're yeah. in it and it's when you're growing and it's slow, as growth is, mm-hmm. it feels impossible and it feels yep. like it's actually not happening. And it yep. fe- like you can miss it because it can mm-hmm. be so tiny and distinct the, st- the The growth can be so minuscule on a day-to-day basis or a month-to-month basis. And so I appreciate you pointing out that it's like a lot of work over time, piecing Mm -hmm. things together over time, growing over time, creating space over time. Like none of it is like, now I'm just going to stop being resentful and change it all.
1: Mm -hmm. It's like a little bit at a time. I was even going to say, or even the idea of like, you know, I didn't wake up with a remote work career right? People are like, oh, well, you just, you know, you work remotely. So me being able to work remotely was a seed I planted seven years ago, knowing that I wanted to be able to work from anywhere in the world, knowing that that part of me, like, in the future somewhere was going to be able to do that. I planted that seed seven years ago. And the reason why I wanted to take the time to highlight that is not only because I don't want people to feel discouraged and see this episode as a highlight reel, but also Mm -hmm. because I do a lot of one-on-one consultations now about Portugal and people always ask how on earth did you get the courage to just up and move your family? And I always have to remind them that it was courage built slowly it was mm. not courage. Like that happened overnight and nobody should expect that of themselves. Cause then you're going to make the move and then you're going to feel regret because you're going to be like, right. was this the right choice? So yeah, yeah, it, nothing happens overnight, even though social media can make it look like it does. One hundred percent.
0: Can you talk a little bit about what would happen if mothers allowed themselves to honor their desires more often? I just like, see how this has played out in your life. Mm-hmm. And you also are telling us like, this wasn't just like, now I'm going to honor myself and listen to my inner knowing and everything will be better. It was such a process. So can you talk about what would happen if we all really committed and gave, not even committed isn't the right word. If we all gave ourselves permission to honor our desires more often.
1: I mean, in a very general sense, I just think the world would be better. I think mothers have such profound influence in their homes. I mean, I see the influence I have over my kids every single day when I'm in a good mood and when I'm in a bad mood, like it affects them so profoundly, there's no way that we can deny that. And so I just think that when we honor our desires, we are able to show up as healthier, happier people. And it's just like, how is that energy not going to be good for your kids, for your community, for your marriages and partnerships, for your work? You know, everything that I do is just improved by the fact that I feel better than I did before. And so I just Mm -hmm. think that when moms honor their desires and it literally can be so small, like I said, like four years ago, I couldn't even let myself go to a coffee shop alone. And I remember when my husband finally made me leave the house, I came back in like two hours. He was like, you like literally just left. Like, why are you already back? And I literally couldn't handle it. Like I couldn't mm-hmm. handle that much time to myself and I had to slowly work my way up to it. So yeah, it can start really, really small, but I just think the most important thing about the desire piece is that it just acknowledges who you are outside of your responsibilities and your roles. I think when we live too much in our roles and responsibilities, we start to become doing machines, right? The yes. cook, the chauffeur, the homework doer, the dishwasher, the mom who, like, you know, showers her kids at night and makes sure that their backpacks are packed the next day. We do that, we caregive. But really, when we honor our desires, it's just really tapping into who you are and what you want and what you need. And it's what started out as a scary experience honoring my desires. It, turned into like this yummy, lovely, delightful experience where I'm like, ooh, what do I feel like doing now instead of it being scary? And I think we all need that. I think we all need a chance to just be in a space of what do I wanna do right now? That's not about me doing anything for anybody else. It's just for me, for my own pleasure, for my own delight. And I know a lot of people were raised to think that that's self-serving, I was too. But when I started to see, how much good energy I would bring back home after I honored my desires. I realized it wasn't just about me. It started with me, but it created a ripple effect that led into more love for my kids, more love for my husband, Mm -hmm. more love for my work and my clients. It just rippled out because you can't give what you don't have. So if you're not giving love to yourself, giving permission to yourself, pleasure to yourself, there's just nothing you're going to run dry. It's just, that's how it is.
0: Yeah. I'm thinking of the videos you shared from hip hop class. I think oh it was yeah. It was some kind of dance class. That was a huge oh
1: exercise in permission. Oh my goodness.
0: I love those videos. So this was maybe a year ago, maybe a more year, than a year ago,
1: ago. I started, I went back to hip hop for the first time in nine years. And um, I'm actually still friends with my dance teacher now. We just, oh. uh, yeah, we had a video chat two weeks ago. And actually when I told him, that I was moving to Portugal, he had an opportunity to go dance in Dubai at this big dance company for like the Prince of England. And he said oh. no to it initially. And after I told him I was moving to Portugal, he went back and said, yes, and went to Dubai for oh. two months.
0: Oh my yeah. gosh, I goosebumps.
1: He was like, you know what? Him. I was like, if this girl can do it with two kids, I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So it's yeah. The dance period of my life. I think it, it laid a lot of pavement for it it laid the runway, right. For my metaphorical and actual plane to leave.
0: I want to back you up on the discomfort that comes with creating that space when that space hasn't previously been there. And especially if you're a high achiever person, or if you're like a high achiever or anxious, because I think if, Mm -hmm. and sometimes those things are both (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like both. And right here. Um, yep, me too. So the, what can happen and, and a really clear example of this for me, when you're a high achiever and or anxious and you have empty space, you, you want to just fill it right away yeah. because there's like this panicky feeling mm-hmm. and, and I don't know how to explain it because so for mm. me, it comes with like, I just should be doing cause I've always done. And I don't know yeah. how to not be doing. Yeah. Um. I had this experience in the pandemic talking with a friend about like, okay, someone who had a business similar to mine. And she, we were talking through like, how are we going to manage and navigate businesses and or our businesses and shifts and pivots that are going to need to ha- take place as a result of the pandemic. And what I was doing was just like, I'm going to pivot over here and work really hard and fast there. And then over here and really hard and fast there. And I was getting to this point where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm Really tired, and mm. I can't even like see what thing is working or what thing isn't because I'm just like hyper doing all the time. Yes. Um, And so she had like this totally opposite approach where she was like, I think I'm gonna not work for like eight months. She's like, I have some savings, I'm gonna just not work and just really like listen inward for a while. And I was like, oh my God, like that sounds like the
1: worst <laughs> thing in the world.
0: <laughs> so, it was so interesting to see how we really like, but we had these totally opposite responses. And she to this day continues to tell me when I start to get panicky about things, she's like, you need to sit down and shut up and listen and not just try to fill every freaking void with like a new task or project. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and she's like, I know you hate me every time I say this. I'm like, I do a little bit. <laughs> I know you're saying it because you love me, but it's also making me mad. <laughs> oh my so gosh. It's really, it's really hard. It's really, really hard. So I I can I understand that and I can honor it. And I also think that when you fill those spots with something. So for you, like with dance, I think is a great example, or for me, like it actually happened really unexpectedly with skiing where I was like, Mm. Oh my gosh, when I'm skiing, I am so scared. I can't think about anything else. Mm -hmm. And I realized how freeing that was for me to not be thinking about work. And I was like, Holy cow. Like the only way for me to not think about work is to do something where I'm afraid I might die.
1: And right, that was my
0: quote unquote escape, and that was really eye opening. Um, so yeah, so I can appreciate the challenge of being in those quiet spaces, and then also the gifts that come out of being in those quiet spaces when you push yourself to be there. Yeah, can you talk about the expansion in your life a little bit? So it seems like. Your move has created a a created space for a lot of expansion in terms of Mm -hmm. how you're able to embrace mothering in a new way, how Mm -hmm. you are able to really heal some things around mental health and around Mm -hmm. a sense of safety and security, which I just think is so significant. And then I also want to know how this is playing out in your work and and what are you doing with your work and how are you helping people? Cause you post so many fun things about how you're working with people on social media. And I'm like, Oh my God, I want you to share all those things.
1: That's so kind of you. Yeah, I mean, I think the bottom line is like Portugal caught like the cost of living is about half what we were paying in California. So just in nature of that means that I don't have to work nearly as hard or as much as I used to. And that is such a blessing, right? It's such a blessing. And, you know, I was really nervous to share with people that I moved to Portugal. I mean, the last time I was on your podcast, I talked about how I was a paid family leave advocate, and that really became a part of my identity, right? Working in the legislative process, working to change laws. And so I was worried that people were going to think that I'm like out of touch or that I don't care, but I had to follow my intuition and my gut and, and move and see where it took me. And someone was like, well, how is this going to change the way that you coach? How is this going to change like what you do? And I was like, I actually don't know. We'll see. And over the last seven months, I've been able to create a mini course on self-care that I have already had so many people sign up for and tell me that it's been so helpful. I have created, I now do one-on-one consultations, talking with people about my move to Portugal to help them with whatever fears that they have, helping them work through the emotional obstacles of giving themselves permission. And I have been offering my, I have a bigger flagship program where I teach self-care over 12 months and I've been able to offer discounts and bonuses that I never would have been able to do in California because I just didn't have the time to offer bonus coaching calls. And I couldn't afford to give people 10% off and, or their first month free, all these things. It's like, now I can say with confidence, like I know how it's changed my business. I get to be more generous because Mm. I have the privilege of that. Right. It's like, I know people just define generosity as just this like very like beautiful choice that a human just decides to make. But the fact of the matter is, is that people who are spread thin financially can't always afford to be generous. So that's one piece. And then energetically, like I have more capacity to give, to teach, to share. Like I created a guided journaling program that just lasted for three weeks. It just ended And I never would have had the time to sit there and like, you you know how hard it is to make a program. It's like, you have the webpage and the marketing and the podcast episodes and like leading up. And like the women that came were like, so that program was only $29. And I made it really, really affordable because I just wanted to create a space for people to pause. You know how you were saying, like you could just be on like, go, 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 go. And then you don't look up and you don't even know what's working or not working. And it's because (laughs) we don't, we don't pause in America. And so I wanted to create space for people to pause. And I got feedback of like, thank you so much for making this such an accessible price point because I never would have been able to join. I'm in a really tight space right now. And so to me, I feel like I'm, my business is even more in alignment with my values. And so that Mm -hmm. it's just been amazing to be able to do that. I love it. I love it. How are you currently showing up as a shameless mom? A lot of ways. I think I'm resting, giving myself permission to rest more. I'm giving myself permission to enjoy every moment that my kids are in school without any shred of guilt. Like I love that they're in school. I'm enjoying this new chapter of my life and yeah, I'm just I'm really just enjoying my life here. (laughs) Like I'm just giving myself permission to enjoy ease. And that was hard because again, there was that guilt of like, Oh, like I left all this hardship behind and it's like, yeah, well, what are you going to do with it? And like, how are you going to just let this fill you up? Because that's how you're going to be able to give to the world, like burned out and exhaust or being burned out and exhausted. Like, sure. I was able to do great stuff with that. And I think I worked with what I had as we all should, but like I'm really grateful to be in a space where I get to really tend to my well-being on a deeper level.
0: Oh, my goodness. I so appreciate that. OK, Tell yeah. people where can they find you, connect with you, get your resources, goodies, work with you, all that good stuff.
1: Well, the best place where you can connect with me is my website, always miahemstad.com. All my goodies are there. My free course is promoted right on the first page. So you won't miss it. So if there's a special playlist on my YouTube channel, if you search Mia Hemstad, you'll find it. And I have okay. several videos there because I get a lot of frequently asked questions about like, you know, how much is your housing? Like I have a video where I actually walk you through like my whole townhouse and like all that kind of stuff. So if you want more details That's about so fun, yeah. So if you want more details about my life in Portugal and why I moved and all of that, it's, it's all there on the YouTube channel. I
0: love one of the things I've so enjoyed about your content around Portugal is that you take something that seems so aspirational and like vision board esque And you're like, here's what it really looks like in real life. And which is still very aspirational and vision board-esque, but it also is like, it feels very real and tangible when you talk about it and you show us and you share your experience. And I think that what's important about that is that it doesn't, the things that live in our vision boards or our desires, Mm -hmm. like they live on boards instead of actually being lived. And I love that you're showing how you're living it because I think it's going to create space for so many other women to follow suit. And I think that's, oh my gosh, like what a legacy that you're building. So
1: Mia, thank you, thank you so you, thank much. You, thank you. You're so thank welcome. You and here. thanks for saying that. And I really do hope that everyone listening to this, like knows that they deserve to have us on their vision board. Why not? Why should it only live on your vision board? And I have to say, like, I didn't wait till my depression went away to move or or, or for life to be perfect or for to have a perfect number in my bank account. So, I think also we need to dispel that myth that, like, you have to have everything lined up to have what's on your vision board. It's okay to live right now and take those chances.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, Mia.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Sarah.